You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Uh, Today, we're going to begin a new series called Taking Ground. Taking Ground, we're going to look at the book of Joshua uh, as we go through this. It's an Old Testament book, and it's a transitional book. It's a moment in the history of Israel where they were coming out of slavery, out of bondage, out of captivity uh, in the kingdom of Egypt. And so the Israelites had been captives for 430 years, uh, and God called them. He delivered them by his power uh, and raised up Moses and sent Moses to be his mouthpiece to bring Israel out of uh, Egypt. And God delivered them. And of course, that's an Old Testament story, but it foreshadows what would happen in our relationship with Christ, that in Jesus, he has set us free from the grip of, of our Egypt, our sin, our, our own darkness, our own captivity. Jesus set us free. Aren't you glad? for that church. Aren't you glad that Jesus came not to leave you where he found you, but came to rescue you, came to seek and to save what was lost. And and he set us free, but he didn't just save us from sin. He didn't just save us from captivity. He saved us for something. He saved us for his God-given kingdom purpose that he had for each one of us before the foundations of the world. God had you in mind. God had your name in mind. He had your calling in mind. He had your life in mind. And God had a purpose for you. And God has always intended to bring us out of one thing, but more importantly, to bring us into something greater, into his plan, into his purpose, into salvation, into your God-given identity and calling. And and Joshua represents that season for Israel as God would bring them out of Egypt. God didn't just save Israel from slavery. He saved them for the promised land. Are you with me? He delivered them for a purpose. And God was bringing them in, and their calling in that next generation was to take ground. It was to advance their mission, their purpose, and to take possession of what God had already promised their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in taking ground, there was going to be a fight. In taking ground, there was going to be some advancement. There was going to have to be obedience on their part. There was going to have to be a greater measure of faith on their part. Uh, And today, if you're taking notes, the message title, uh, our series is Taking Ground today, is Becoming Strong and Courageous. We're going to start in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and here's what he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land, which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon. I have given you, as I said to Moses from the wilderness of Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to give their fathers, uh, to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do all the law which, my, which Moses my servant commanded you. Don't turn from the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosper. 
prosperous and you will have good success. Last verse, verse nine, have I not commanded you, God repeats it again, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God starts his conversation with Joshua with the instruction, the calling to leave the, the season they were in to enter into a season of possessing the promise, Joshua's uh, forebears, his, his, his generation, in fact, he would be leading the younger generation into what God would have, but his generation and before had failed to enter in 40 years prior. 40 years prior, they came to the same boundary. They came to the same place, the Jordan River, and they turned back. They came to that same ground that God had called them to take. And every generation, I believe, is invited to advance God's purpose like, like never before. And, and when one generation doesn't do it, God calls the next generation to do it. And he's looking for a Joshua generation, I believe even today, in our city, our community, our nation, that's going to take the purpose of God to the, the place that God always intended for it to be that we wouldn't just turn back at the boundary. There's always places in our life that we advance to a certain point, but we turn back. There's places we grow to, but we turn back. We start to change up to a certain point, but we turn back. But God never designed us to turn back. He never designed us to go backwards. He designed us to go forward. He didn't create you to return back to Egypt. He didn't create you to return back to the deserts of, of fear and shame and sin. He called us to take ground for him and his purpose in his kingdom. And so here's what it looks like. God comes to Joshua and he tells Joshua what Joshua is already well aware of. Moses is dead. That's pretty significant. It's significant for Israel because he's been the only leader they've known. Joshua's gone, or excuse me, Moses is gone, and Joshua personally has, has been close to Moses, and he's grieving. He's saddened by the loss and, and what's happened in this season change, but God reminds him that while there was a place for grief and there was a place for sorrow, that God wasn't done with the purpose for his people, and God wasn't done because one season ended did not mean that God was finished. And sometimes people leave our life, sometimes people are no longer in our life, some things that God used in our life are no longer there, but we don't need to look back to what's not there, we don't need to just be stuck in what's past, we need to move forward, and that's what point number one is, don't look back now. Don't look back now. I, I touched on that last week, but I just believe that God wants us to not look back to, and, and your, what, what's behind you may not even be something bad. Sometimes it's the good things and even the God things that were part of an old season that can keep us from moving forward into what God wants to do today. God is not just a God of yesterday, he's a God of today. Religion specializes in two things, yesterday and someday. You know, lot, lots of people are talking about revival someday. You know, it, that's easy, someday. Or revival yesterday, oh man, the good old days, what happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. And we celebrate that, we, we celebrate that. But what would God do with you today? What if today God wanted to move in your family? What if today God wanted you to advance to the purpose of God? What if today your prayers brought heaven down? What if today was the day of your freedom from addiction? What if, what if today was the day that shame no longer held you? 
He's a day, in fact, Jesus shows up and that's what he does. He reads from, from Isaiah 61, tells the mission statement of the Messiah. He reads in the synagogue on the Sabbath and he says uh, that, that, that the son of man, the, the one anointed by the Holy Spirit had come to set the captives free, to preach the gospel to the poor, open blind eyes. He goes through all of that and then he says this, today, today this is fulfilled. Like I'm here, today's the day. And, and lots of people are looking to what might happen tomorrow and what happened yesterday. In fact, many people, most people live their life in the rearview mirror. And the reason why I believe Joshua had to come to Moses and say, it's time to arise and go over this boundary, over this Jordan, is because there was something in Joshua that thought, man, these are two big issues to fill. What do I do without? Have you ever said that? God, what am I going to do without that person in my life? What am I going to do without that thing that, that you used in my life? What am I going to do without them? And, and, and it's in those moments where we ask, what do we do without? See, up to that point, Joshua had experienced what I would call secondhand blessing. <laughs> secondhand encounter. Secondhand revelation, you could even say. In other words, he knew God, he experienced God, but it was often through Moses. And in that moment, God was coming direct to Joshua to say, that old season is done. You living through somebody else's faith is done. Now it's time for you to cross over. Now it's time for you to arise and go. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that place. God used that. And I've had things in my life where God may have used a person or, 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 or a certain situation to help grow my faith, grow my prayer life, grow my time in his word. And there's always a place for that. That's why our groups are so important because faith is never meant to just be walked out by myself, but it does have to start personal. And so, so when we start personally, when we have a personal relationship with Jesus, when we experience this for ourselves, then we do what God was inviting Joshua into. Don't look back at what's gone before. Don't look back at what's missing. Look at what's with you. And more importantly, who's with you? He says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. It was time for Joshua not to run on his own, but to run to God. Sometimes we look back and we disqualify our own future in our eyes by the mistakes we've made, by the failures we've made, by even our own past sins and our own past failures. But here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. The Holy Spirit comes to bring correction and conviction. That's a good thing. It's actually good as a Christian to feel bad about sin. Are, are you with me? It's good to feel bad about something, but, but the difference between condemnation and conviction is conviction says, I'm going to run to Jesus, the one who sets me free, because he never wants us to live in shame and guilt and regret. And, but, but condemnation says, you messed up, you're too far gone, that was too, you should have known better. That, that's a big one. You've been a Christian for 30 years. How are you still doing this? How is this still an issue? And con the voice of condemnation pushes you from God, says you don't belong, and told, told, tells you to turn away and run back and be focused so much on your past that you miss God in the present. But here's what the Bible says because of Jesus. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If there's condemnation, it's not from God. Thank you, two of you. 
It says, do not, not, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there's a principle, that's what this word law here means, a principle of life in Christ. Religion has no life, but Jesus brings life. And it's actually a life that's what? Made me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus comes to make you free from the law of sin and death. That what used to hold you doesn't hold you anymore. What used to be a shadow and a cloud over you doesn't hold you any longer. Number two is this. So first, we're not gonna look back, but then God calls to Joshua and here's what he tells him. I want you to remember what I told Moses. And just like I promised to be with Moses, I'm gonna be with you. And you're going to go into the promised land and every place you walk, every place the sole of your foot treads upon is actually ground I've given to you by inheritance. He actually tells him, he says, Joshua, you're going to lead Israel to the land that I'm giving them. In other words, God's already provided it. God's already made it available and now he's inviting them. It's time to experience it. There's a lot of things that God's, God's, God's promised and God's provided that we don't enter into. And then if we're not careful, we make goofy theology about how God doesn't want us in the promised land. And, and, and we, we develop curriculum and we develop Bible studies and we develop books and tapes and podcasts and all that stuff. That's, I'm old enough to have tapes. Okay. Um, and we have all those things. And then we just go, well, I guess just God doesn't want us to do that. Well, a whole generation died in the desert when God wanted them in the promised land. And God comes to Joshua and he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk in the promises. You're going to walk in the promise. In fact, he didn't just say, I'm giving it to you. I've got a piece of paper that says this is yours. You're actually going to have to take possession of it. You're going to have to actually get your, your shoes dirty. You're going to have to walk into the promise. You're going to have to step into the promise. Because faith is not just what I believe about God. It's what affects how I walk. If I really believe what God, if I really believe who God is and what he said is available for me and you, then, then I'm not just going to believe it, I'm going to walk in it. So, so the Bible is actually full of promises. Let me just give you a couple things. Um, going back to Romans 8 real quick. Uh, Romans 8 says, you didn't receive the, spo- the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. So you're adopted. You're part of the family of God. No matter what your family history was, you're part of a brand new family. That's good news. And here's what he says, you have the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, our heart, that we are children of God. And if children, then what? Watch what it says, we're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What does he say? He says, we're invited to be heirs of God and joint heirs. What does it mean to be a joint heir? It means that, that we receive... So, so Jesus goes to a cross to take what we deserved. Our sin, the wages of our sin is death. Jesus got what we deserved, and then he invites us to receive what he deserved as a sinless son of God. That's amazing. Guys, that's, 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 that's life. To me, that's life transforming because Jesus didn't just die to rescue me from hell. And that's good enough. If that was enough, it'd be worth it. How many realize that? Like, that's, that's enough. But he wasn't done there. He didn't just take us out of the, if I can put this in financial terms, not just out of the red, he put you into the black. He added something to your life and he called you to a purpose. And the Bible's filled with promises. 
It's filled with promises, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Oh man, you have no idea what God has in store. And it, but here's what, he doesn't leave us in the dark. Most people just stop there. They quote that verse. But God has actually revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all the deep things. Okay, so, so here's what it's saying. It's saying God's prepared a whole lot for you. And then he's given us his word, his Holy Spirit, to reveal the promises of Jesus, to reveal the inheritance that he's created you and I for. Here's, here, here's where this, the, the rubber meets the road for me. If the Bible says I can have it as a child of God, I want it. If the Bible says something shouldn't be there, let's give the example of fear. That's one I use often as, as an example because I think in our culture we've like made it an idol. We've it <laughs> but the Bible says fear involves torment. And, and, and so if, if God's word says you don't have to live in fear, then I need to recognize my inheritance is freedom from fear. That's the promise. So if I'm going to walk in the promise, then I'm not going to let that thing rule my life anymore. Not just because I'm, you know, willpower, I'm getting over fear. No, I actually can apply and walk in the promises of God. Jesus paid the price so that I could be free. Jesus paid the price so that you could be free, so that you could be whole, so that you could walk in freedom. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Jesus, in Christ. That's good news, church. So, so everything you need is found in Jesus. But so many people live like, that, like Joshua's generation and the older generation that stayed on the wrong side of their promised land. Well, I guess it's just not for me. Works for some, doesn't work for others. <laughs> But God's called us to walk in the promises. I would rather die one day and get to heaven and they say, you know what? You believe too much. <laughs> like like you, you believed way too many of, of these Bible verses. You believed way too many of these promises. I don't think they'll ever say that, by the way. Uh, but but I, I just want to get to heaven and find a bunch of exhausted angels. Because I, I, I was, there was, there was so many things I was believing God for. I'd rather, if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on that side rather than, man, there was so much more I had for you. There was so much more I wanted to do for you. There was so much more I wanted to do through you and in your family and in your city and in your community and in your church. I, I don't want to find out there was a whole bunch of stuff Jesus paid the price for and I missed out on. Walk in the promises of God. God tells him how... To do that, he starts with this statement. He says, be strong and of good courage. In fact, this is a phrase that's repeated not only these three times, it's repeated again later in, the book, in, the, in chapter one by the Israelites. As, as Joshua starts giving directions, and the people go, okay, we got it, we got it, we're with you, we're all in, but just so you know, Joshua, our new leader, uh, be strong and very courageous. Like sometimes you gotta have people around you that are gonna remind you of the promise of God, remind you of the call of God on your life. Be strong and very courageous. It's actually the same phrase that Moses in the book of Deuteronomy used three times, two or three times of Joshua. He would say to him, be strong and very courageous. So this is something that means something special to Joshua. And it starts with this. He goes on and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. What does it mean to be afraid? Well, it means to be caused to tremble, to be oppressed, 
It means that something is moving you and shaking you, moving you out of the place that God's called you to be. You can often identify the ground that God has promised you by the fear the enemy's trying to put in your life in that area. I'm just telling you. You can, the devil is often more discerning about the purpose of God in your life than even we are. And you just got to recognize, where is he fighting me the most? <laughs> oh, he's fighting my family. He's fighting my marriage. He's fighting my kids. Maybe God's about to do something great there. He says, don't be dismayed. That word dismayed means literally to be shattered or broken down. Shattered or broken down. It means to be discouraged. I know a lot of people, probably more people, stopped from their promise not even because of some great compromise or some great failure, but because of discouragement, because they just got weary, they just got tired. They just wanted to quit. And I, I mean, there's moments that, that discouragement becomes overwhelming, but God comes to Joshua and says, here's what you need to remember. Joshua who walked 40 years in the desert, longer than he was supposed to, because his whole generation decided to turn back. Joshua who could have been discouraged. Joshua thought, man, I wish I had Moses. What would Moses do? WWMD. <laughs> Somebody will catch that in a minute. Uh, I, I don't know. What would he do in this situation? And God comes along and says, no, you've got everything you need because you've got me. You've got me. You don't have to worry about who's not with you right now. Well, my life would be different if they were still here. If they walked, no, no. When people walked out, God walked right in. Okay, be strong. It means to fasten upon. How do, you, how do you strengthen yourself? How do you get strength in God? Well, you gotta grab hold of something greater. You gotta grab a hold of the promise of God. Grab a hold of, and good courage means this. It means strong, this is interesting, strong pressure. It's actually, the Hebrew word is a word picture of two sides, pressure from two sides. And, and, and we think for, for, for there to be strength, we have to have, for, okay, let me say it this way. We think for us to have victory, there shouldn't be a battle. But you don't have victory without a battle. You, 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 you don't have a testimony without a challenge. <laughs> like there's, there's pressure and there's some things, you know, I, I have to work on this because I don't know, it's just kind of my nature. I just want to help. And so if I see somebody hurting, and, and obviously that's what our calling is to do, but there's something we have to recognize. There's some moments, there's some fights that we can't always rescue somebody from. They have to find strength in God to walk through. Yes. Don't misunderstand me. We need to help people. We need to rescue. We need to be there. But we're never to take the place of the Holy Spirit. Because I think of some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned were in seasons of the greatest pressure. And, if, and if, if God had answered the first prayer to get me out of the place of pressure, I wouldn't have found the courage I would need later in life. <laughs> I, I get asked, you know, on occasion, I'll tell our story about River City Church and what God's done. And, you know, we moved here in April of 2020 and we moved here during the 14 days. <laughs> that was fun. Um, and there's so many, this, this, this church exists because of a, a chain of miracles, a chain of answer prayer. 
But I'll just tell you this. I've had people ask me, you know, in fact, the way you're supposed to do what we did with planting and starting River City Church, the playbook went out the window because of everything. Um, anyway, I've been in ministry a long time, and so everything I had planned just went out the window. And, and, but, but here's what's amazing. So I was, I was sharing our story a couple times this week, and, and, and it always amazes people with some of the things that happen. And they go, you know, how are you, how are you guys doing? You know, how is, man, that must have been really hard. And I look back at seasons 15, 20 years ago that should have crushed me, but because I made it through that, I'm like, this is so much easier. It's just so much easier. And, and stuff that used to t- discourage me, I'm not discouraged. I, I don't get discouraged like that anymore. Why? Because there were seasons of pressure that produced courage. And I'm telling you that, not to talk about our story, but to remind you that the pressure you're in has a purpose. And when you've got God in the middle and you've got God in the story, there are some battles he will protect you from and he will deliver you from. You know what those battles are? Ones you're not ready for. But there's some battles you were born to, to, bat, to overcome. There were some battles he already gave you the victory before you entered into it. And when you walk in the promise of God, the generation before was perfectly fine with God bringing them out of Egypt. But then they came to the promised land. Oh, you want us to conquer some territory? You, you, you want us to fight some giants and scale some walls? You want us to do what? Because walking in the promise looks like sometimes stepping into a fight. But the amazing thing about God is that when he is in the midst of your fight, he's in the midst of your battle with you, he'll give you the grace to walk through it. And there's some battles he keeps you from, but many more times there's battles he'll take you through. Not for the sake of the battle, hear me. But when God brings you through, you're not going to be the same. You're not going to come on the other side of this battle the way you went in. You're going to come out of this battle anointed. You're going to come out of this battle with a testimony. You're going to come out of this battle with the very keys to see other people who are entering into that same situation set free. Okay. That's like 10 other sermons, but let's keep going. What does he tell him? Here's how to walk in the promises. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the book of the law, and, and, and just real quick, that was the, the Torah in Hebrew. It's, they had only the first five books of the Bible. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Meditate in this. Get this in you. Meditate there. It's, you know, we, we, usually the only context we have for meditation is like somebody chanting on a mountain. <laughs> but, but, but that kind of meditation is about emptying your mind. And, and here's, can I just help you? If you empty your spirit, you empty your soul, something will fill it, and you may not like what fills it. So instead of emptying yourself, fill yourself. It's a lot better to fill yourself with Jesus. Fill yourself with the word of God. Fill yourself with hope. Fill yourself with God's kingdom. And that's what he says. Here's what you do. Meditate in that word day and night. Keep fueling your life. Why? Because we just, whatever, it's it's like a bucket. You fill the bucket with water, and then you realize somewhere along the way I leaked. (laughs) The bucket has holes, and I've got to fill it again. And, and it's just true that we get filled on Sunday. We get filled in our groups. We get filled in all these areas, but, but we start to leak hope. We start to leak faith. We start to leak the things that God has filled us with, and that's why we got to stay in his word day and night. And he says, here's the key. Keep it in your mouth. What a weird instruction. If I'm being honest, it's a weird instruction for somebody who is a military commander being prepared to lead a generation in a battle. I'm thinking, this is like, he should get a class they teach at West Point. Like he should be told, here's effective military strategy. (laughs) 
Here's the best weaponry you need to prepare. Here's how you drill and train your troops. Here's the things you need to, God goes, no, here's what you do. Get the Bible. Get it in your heart and keep it in your mouth. Why is that important? Because the next one, number three, is we need to wage the right war. We need to wage the right war with the right weapons. He says, this word shall not depart from your mouth. I, I just did a whole series. In fact, we just did a, a particular Sunday just focused on relationships and just focused on communication. Because a lot of our battles, we're fighting battles with our words. <laughs> but we're not fighting the right battle. We're fighting people instead of fighting for people. Are, are you with me? But what would happen, Joshua, if you got the word of God in your heart and in your mouth? What would happen if you and I got God's word in our heart? Because before it's in our mouth, it's got to be in our heart. Because you'll find out what's really in your heart when the pressure's squeezing. Okay. He says, get that word. And here's going to be the result. He says, you'll make your way prosperous. And you'll have good success. So the key to success is what was in Joshua's heart and what was in his mouth. And I believe there's a reason we need to wage the right war with the right weapons. Let me just say this. Your purpose doesn't come without a fight. Your, your, your life, your family, your marriage, your business, your calling, whatever it is, you won't cross your Jordan River without a fight. But when you've got God's word, you are equipped to win. You are equipped to, in fact, that word to prosper, to make your way prosperous, literally means to advance victoriously. So, so whatever you've been stuck in, it's time to advance victoriously. And there may be a fight, but here's the good news. You have everything you need to win the battle. I don't think it's an accident that in the gospel, Satan comes to tempt Jesus and, and he tempts him three times and all three times Jesus responds, not with a cute argument, not with a good opinion. And if anybody's opinion mattered, it was Jesus' opinion. But he didn't argue any of that. Do you know what he did? He just let the word loose. He quotes three times for the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing. That's amazing. If Jesus can beat up the devil with the book of Deuteronomy, what can you do with 66 books? But why is that important? Because sometimes we need to be reminded of his word. Instead of speaking, instead of saying what we feel or what we're going through only, we need to actually say what God says about the situation. We need to say what God's word is. In football, we just ended the football season, and in football, there can be some times where there's a call that has to be submitted for further review, and the referee will come out, and he'll say something like this, upon further review, and maybe what they sent upstairs changed the determination on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> upon further review, the call's overturned. <laughs> what if we send some things upstairs instead of just trying to fight them on the field? trying to argue them on the field, nag them on the field, work, manipulate them on the field. What if instead of fighting people, we prayed heaven down? Yes. Here's what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
Well, I'm just not strong enough. Well, it's never meant to be about your strength anyway. But you do have his strength available. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes or wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's people. Because remember, we don't, we're not fighting with people. We're ne- we need to be fighting for people. I know that the problem you have right now looks like that person in your life. You, you know who they are. Don't raise your hand. You know, you know what's going on. And it's easy to mix it up and think that the battle is against them. It's against that person. And the enemy wants you to think that because if you're fighting the wrong foe, the real enemy operates unnoticed and unchallenged. He, he can get you fighting the wrong battle. He can keep you from the battle you're called to win. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities, uses this language, principalities, powers. In other words, we're fighting an unseen enemy who's just as real, who's just as, as, as impactful as any other enemy in the world. In fact, probably more so, because the greatest battle is unseen. That's why if we're going to win this battle, if we're going to fight this battle, we don't fight the wrong fight. We fight the right battle with the right weapons. That's why God's word is so important because you're not just going to fight the battle for your family on your own with good opinions and good ideas and good intentions. No, when you fight with the unchanging word of God, you're fighting an unseen enemy who has to flee. The Bible says the angels of God heed the voice of his word. You know what that means? When they hear God's word, they go to work. They they fight to fulfill the word of God. It says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your waist girded with truth and the breastplate of righteousness put on. He goes through the armor and and went off time to dig dig into all this. But he says, have your your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That is your mission. That's your purpose. And above all, take the shield of faith with which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? It's the Word of God. Well, I, I thought the Bible was just for me to, you know, have, have encouraging Bible studies. I thought it was just to, you know, encourage or lead or maybe modify my behavior on, on occasion. <laughs> but did you know the Bible is a weapon and it's not a weapon against people. It's not a weapon to, to you're going to write, I'm going to write that post. How many of you think for the Holy Spirit, you start to write something, and then he goes, nope. <laughs> Don't do it. Yep. I'll start to write an email. I've had some of the, the, most, the, the most incredible arguments I've ever written, I've never sent. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, because of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Because I think we need to fight the right battle. We need to win the battle in what's unseen. Because the battle in what's unseen affects what is seen. If you'll start bringing God's word and you'll start praying and studying and knowing and declaring God's word and you'll start praying heaven's purpose in your family, you'll, you'll win the battle in what's unseen long before what, listen, so we, we fight with, we, we have an issue or a disagreement with somebody and we try to just fight on that level. 
instead of recognizing that there's actually a battle that's unseen behind the, but behind the surface, behind the curtain. The Bible gives us glimpses of that throughout the, throughout the word. And, and, and this isn't something weird or spooky, but it is something very real. And if we want to win the battle for our nation and win the battle for our families, it's not going to just be won with good arguments. It's not going to be won by criticizing and pointing the finger. It's going to be won on our knees in prayer and bringing the word of God to bear where real battles are won. And it's not just the battle for preachers. In the battle for missionaries and Sunday school teachers, it's a fight that every single one of us are called to. You may say, well, I don't know much of the Bible. You just need one verse to make the devil's day really bad. Okay, anyway. Last point, number four, stay anchored to the presence of God. Jason and the team, if you want to come out. Stay anchored to the presence of God. The most important thing Joshua needed to know above everything else is revealed in two statements. The first one, he says, I will never leave you and never forsake you. And then at the very end of what I read to you at the beginning, Joshua 1, he says, and I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. Why is that important? Because you plus God is a winning majority every single time. No matter the need, no matter the situation, I believe our response to problems, our response to challenges, our response to the battle in our life has everything to do with how aware we are of the presence of the king. The less I'm conscious of or aware of or anchored to the presence of God in my life, the more easily I'll be moved by fear. The more easily I'll be overwhelmed by the problem. The more easily I'll allow pressure to crush and destroy instead of go, no, he's with me. He was with me before the battle. He's with me in the battle. The same God who said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you to Joshua is the same God that says it to me. And God's presence, I know this, theologically, he's omnipresent. It's one of the attributes of God. There's nowhere you can go on planet Earth. There's nowhere you can go in the stars above where you can go, I've, out, I've, I've escaped the presence of God. Just ask Jonah. <laughs> but you know what? If we realize this, he's with you and he's committed to you. One last passage I want to read from Hebrews um, Hebrews 6 says, God determining more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, that's you and I, the immutability of his counsel. Immutability is not a word we use very often, but you know what it means? It just means unchanging. I, I think there's lots of attributes of God that are very exciting, and one that none of us would consider exciting is he's the same. Like he's unchanging. We wouldn't go, sign me up for sameness. Because <laughs> it's not as exciting. We want... Whatever's new and exciting. But here's, here's the thing about God. His unchangeableness is the key to every other attribute. Because if he's strong, but he changes, maybe he's not strong. If he's love, but he changes, maybe he won't be loved today. If he's faithful today, maybe he won't be tomorrow if he changes. But no, God's not like people that are constantly changing. 
He confirms the unchangeableness of his counsel or his word. He confirms it by an oath that by two immutable, unchangeable things, it is impossible, and which is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. It says a whole lot there. You know what it says? We run to God. We lay hold of him. We lay hold of that hope. And this hope we have is an anchor of the soul. Why do you need an anchor? Because you drift. Why do we need an anchor? Because we drift. And what do we need to be anchored to? Not something that changes with the culture, not something that changes with our emotions, but an unchangeable God who says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. He says, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and it enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner, Jesus has entered for us, having become a high priest. What's the point? God's made a way. Jesus has made a way for the presence of God to be available for every single one of us. Every one of us. Not just in church. I'm thankful for the presence of God when we gather. I am. I mean, Friday night, man, God showed up. I'm thankful for that. Church is not church because it's a club. (laughs) It's not churches and church because we have Christian programs. Church is what it is because it's the house of God. It's his dwelling place. If we ever lose sight of that, we're just another social service organization. But the presence of God is the difference maker. And what you and I need today, right here, is the presence of God. God's response throughout every generation, when they'd say, God, I don't know if we're capable. I don't know if we're able. God would always say, I'm with you. Moses, I don't know, I'm going to go to Israel and I'm going to go to the Egyptians and tell them this. I'm with you. (laughs) Gideon, you're going to be a deliverer for your generation. Uh, Not me. How can I? I'm the least from the smallest family and we're we're the weakest. We're we're going through all the reasons why we can't. I didn't have the right upbringing. I don't have the right past. You know, we go through all the stuff and his response to Gideon, I'm with you. I just look at it. It's all through the Bible. Jesus gives a great commission. Go into all the world. That's pretty crazy in a good way. Like, that's bigger than us. And then he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. It's time for us to stop looking back. It's time for us to walk in the promises to fight the right fight with the right weapons that God's made available to every single one of us. Whatever looks unchanging, remember his word can change anything. Whatever looks impossible, nothing's impossible for him. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.